Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. And the gun is Hurts. Sanders behind him. This time, Hurts gives it off, and he runs with the football and keeps it and takes it across the five and rolls down to the two. And is he in? Yes! He is. Touchdown, Jalen Hurts! That's magic. A great fake! to Sanders, and then he kept it and ran around the right end and took it 26 yards for a touchdown. Little sleight of hand, Mr. Reese, and oh, I think he had you fooled. Oh, he had, the, <laughs> he had the Vikings fooled. And that's the Jalen Hurts we love. Oh, yeah. I like that Jalen Hurts. So I'm going to ask Ray Didinger, who joins us now, always an honor, my pal, my colleague. Ray, are we going to get to see that Jalen Hurts in the postseason? Well, that's the big question, isn't it? Uh, you know you're going to get to see Jalen Hurts, but are you going to get to see that Jalen Hurts? Or are you going to see the Jalen Hurts that closed out the regular season? I don't know. I don't know. And that's, you know, that's the overarching question about the Eagles team. I mean, when Jalen Hurts was that Jalen Hurts, um, the Eagles were the best team in the NFL. And it really, it really wasn't even close. Uh, but ever since that game in Chicago, and ever since uh, they had injury, um, there's there there are real questions to be asked, and we're not going to start getting any real answers until next week. Ray, Glenn and I were talking earlier in the show about the kind of relative apprehension that we're sensing in the Philadelphia area about the Eagles now, and how it compared to what happened in 2017-18, where they were underdogs, and it seemed like everyone in the area just kind of embraced them wholeheartedly and uh, turned their hearts over to them. What's your sense? You know, talking to people, you know, just your finger on the pulse kind of thing of how people are approaching uh, this first playoff game next week. Yeah, I know. Um, that's uh, it's the same. Uh, I know exactly what you're saying. But this to me is much more like the um, the T.O. year. You know, uh, you're right. I mean, a couple of years ago when with the Wentz injury. Um, they became the underdogs to the point where they wore the masks and everybody began referring uh, to them like on. that. And they, they, I want to say, I have a photograph of Ray Dinger wearing one of those masks. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, sit, sitting, alongside you who were, oh, yeah. sitting alongside you who were also wearing one. No doubt. We were in the bread aisle at Zally's Supermarket, as I recall. No, <laughs> Enjoying it immensely. Yes, no, we were. No wonder <laughs> Christy Brinkley wanted to go to lunch with him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm yeah, sorry. So, I, I interrupted so the flow, yeah. 
No, no, that's okay. Um, that's perfectly fine. Um, but th- that was a whole different thing. I mean, that, the underdog thing became their, identif- their identity, and the whole city got behind it, and it took them all the way to a championship. To me, what, what the people are feeling now is much more akin to the T.O. year, when uh, they were, again, a, a lot like this year. They were the best team in the league all the way through, and then you got into December, and then your star player goes down with an injury, uh, and there's a question of whether he's, he's going to come back at all. And um, then there's the layoff, and then you go into the playoffs. And I remember doing our Saturday show um, the day before the Eagles were going to play the Vikings in their first playoff game that year, um, and tremendous apprehension. You know, you know, because how are they going to be? It's you know, it's what a pity they had. They were had this great team, and now To's hurt, and now we can't do it. And and um, that's the that's the feeling I have. It's much more like that. Is the um, boy? It was a great year, but now I don't know where we're. I don't trepidation. know where we're going to go. Yeah, there yeah, is there, think, there is yeah, trepidation. I think, I think it's much. I think it's much more akin to that than than what it was in 2017. Okay, so that can be quickly erased, of course, next week when they play their first game. I guess there's four potential opponents. It could be the Seahawks. We don't think it's going to be Seahawks. Maybe it's the Giants, who I think could certainly beat Minnesota, or it will be uh, one of the evil empires, Tom Brady or the Dallas Cowboys. Who do you think it's most likely to be? I, I think it's going to be the Giants. I think I think the, I, I think the I think the Giants are going to beat the Vikings today. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm going with the I'm going with the upset there. And you know I don't know how much of an upset you know I don't know really how much of an upset it is if you've anybody's really followed the Vikings this year uh, and you've seen them. They've gotten to thirteen and four in a very curious mm-hmm. <laughs> way, uh, and you know there's always the feeling you know, how many of these how many games can they win in the last minute i don't i I don't know, but you know there's there's a history in the wild card round that um that sixes beat threes all the time um it it's almost like it, wild card in the n f l round is almost like the n c a a basketball where twelves beat fives yeah. all the yeah. time. You know, that's that's always that's always the killer bracket where the underdog always seems to win. In the NFL wild card, it's six and three. Um, and over the last five years, eight times uh, the six has beaten the three. Wow! Uh, and so, um, and, Wait, would that and be eight, out of, eight times out of ten games? Then eight out of ten. Wow. Okay. Which is I, I know I know you know I mean there are trends that there are trends that kind of resonate and there are trends that are just kind of stupid. You and I talk about that all the time. Oh yeah. But I mean this one to me has some significance and I think there's some real history here that makes some sense, especially when you look at these two teams, uh, and especially the way I look at it. You know, when you look at the Vikings, really the Vikings, it comes down to Kirk Cousins. Is Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins going to have a good day, or is Kirk Cousins going to be Kirk Cousins? You know, and um, when you've seen them this year, when they've gotten blown out, I mean, it's been largely because the quarterback play was so poor. And it all, with him, it always begins with just pressure. If he just can stand in the pocket and feel real comfortable and look down the field and throw the ball, he can be really effective. But he does not handle. And this has been true forever with him. He does not handle pressure well. And if you get after him early. Uh, and throw him off his game, and you get him nervous and jumping around in the pocket and forcing throws, things can get really bad. And and you know the Giants have the, the Giants have Wink Martindale calling the plays, and he's I mean he's Buddy Ryan 2.0. I mean he's going to he's going to be coming after him from the minute he gets off the bus. And so, you know, does Wink Martindale get in Kirk Cousins' head early today? 
If he does, I think the Giants have a real good chance of pulling off the upset. All right, Ray, so let's take the other side of this. Let's assume for the sake of argument that Cousins handles the pressure that Martindale's going to bring, as you said, and the Vikings win, which sets up a situation where the Eagles would have to play the winner of Cowboys-Buccaneers. I have a strong kind of feeling about who the Eagles would probably rather face. The question to you is, number one, who do you think wins that game? And number two, and kind of more relevant to everybody who's listening, who would be the better matchup for the Eagles to face? Who would be the better opponent? Yeah, um, <laughs> it's, real, it's really funny. I was talking to Ron Jaworski this week and uh, asked the same question. Uh, and Ronnie, of course, said, oh, I want the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is uh, a lot that. of that is just his, his old, sure. you know, I mean, he's flashing back to 1980. Um, to me, honestly, I, I think I, if in that game, Monday night game, which is going to get a monster TV number, I can't wait to see what the TV number on that one is. A standalone game with, you know, with America's team against America's quarterback. I mean, that's, that's going to get a huge audience. I, I like the Cowboys in that game. Uh, I just don't know that Brady's. I, I know you know he's the master of getting the ball out fast now. I mean nobody gets it out quicker. But I just don't know if his offensive line is good enough to hold up against a Cowboys team that can get a lot of pressure. I just uh, I know Prescott has been on a really bad stretch now, uh, and I mean he's turning the ball over at an alarming rate. Uh, and and you know maybe he has one of those nights. But I just I just look at that Cowboys pass rush and I look at the Bronc, uh, the Bucks offensive line, and to me it just even though the game's in Tampa, to me the game just tilts Cowboys. And but as far as who would I for the Eagles a matchup? I think the I, 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 if you're the Eagles, I think you got to hope that you get the Bucks. Would yeah. you because rather? Cowboys, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, because I mean look at I mean. The Cowboys, the Cowboys have beaten the Eagles eight of the last eleven, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and so I mean it's I mean nobody likes to say it around here. It's kind of like dirty secret about, but the Cowboys kind of have the Eagles number right now, uh, and so if you got a choice between a team with a bad offensive line, no running game, and a forty-five-year-old quarterback, even though he's a great one, versus a team that's beaten you eight out of the last eleven, I'll take the forty-five-year-old quarterback. I hear that. So I'm going to change the topic a little bit. There uh, has been some conversation in the last week that both of the Eagles coordinators, Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen, uh, are being considered for head coaching jobs. Do you think, Ray, A, they would make good head coaches, and B, that they're ready for that kind of job? Uh, Boy, I mean, yeah, the talk is really strong. Uh, I mean, some of the people, you know, I still talk to people around the league, and – they are, they are very hot candidates. Um, I I think you're probably likely. I don't know if you're going to lose both, but I think you're very likely to lose one of them. Um, and as head coaches, I don't know. I, I I just I just don't have that great a feel for them as guys. You know, I haven't been around them enough to have uh, a sense of how strong of a, you know, the it factor uh, do they have. I think they're good coaches, uh, and what they've accomplished here is is pretty admirable. Uh, I mean, I think the work that Shane has done in bringing Jalen Hurts along is is the thing that has really vaulted them into people's minds about if you're going to develop a young quarterback. Gee, you look at what he's done with Hurts. I think it's. It, I mean, that's why his stock is on the rise. And Gannon, you know, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of back and forth, and there's a lot of, um, you know, there are a lot of people that aren't big fans of Jonathan Gannon, but it's hard to argue against the numbers. 
So um, I think they're both very strong candidates, but I, I, I don't have a real, I haven't been around them enough to have a strong sense of their personality and their ability. Can they, can they transition from coordinator to head coach? Because it's, it's, it's different. It's different. I mean, I've, I've been around a lot of guys over the years um, that I met them when they were coordinators and interviewed them and walked away and said, man, that guy's going to be a head coach, and he's going to be a good one. You just feel it. I mean, they just project it. It's the way they own the room. I mean, uh, and, you know, I've, to me, a perfect example was Mike Holmgren. Mm. I mean, the first time I was around Mike Holmgren when he was the quarterback coach slash OC in San Francisco under Bill Walsh, I mean, the first time I met Holmgren and saw Holmgren handle himself in a press setting, I just said, yeah, this guy's going to be a head coach. I mean, and, and he's going to be successful. Um, and it didn't take long. I mean, it took one session, and I just felt it. I haven't been around these guys enough to know it. Uh, but I think, there, I think there's not much question they're going to get the opportunity. If it's not this year, it's going to be soon. Right. Glenn and I have kicked around uh, with the callers so far this morning uh, a discussion about Jalen Hurts and kind of more broadly the way teams have to build their rosters now in the modern NFL with a salary cap and taking advantage of a quarterback on his rookie contract and the possibility that teams might start trying to cycle through quarterbacks uh, to keep that position cost low so that they can build excellent teams around them and then if you get a Mahomes or a Brady or a Rodgers you pay him a lot of money what's your take on this and where do you think it's going throughout the league and and maybe what do you think will happen with the Eagles and Hurts I mean my position would be they're going to have to pay him and they're just going to have to to roll and hope that he uh he becomes the quarterback that he's and stays the quarterback he's been this season yeah, it's, it's, Hertz is. I, I agree. They don't have much choice. I mean, with the with the way he's played, uh, certainly with the way he's played this year, um, you have to commit to him long term. And I, I would expect that to happen in this off season. There are probably some people that would say, "Well, let him play out the last year, and you know, let's have the advantage of that last year on the rookie contract, and use that money to bring in some more good players." And you know, he knows he's going to get paid down the road. We'll just promise him that we're going to be we're going to make good for him a year. Well, no, I don't know if it works that way. Yeah. You know, I think with the year that he's had this year, and especially, I mean, my goodness, especially if they go on and they go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, uh, and he caps off the year, then then that deal gets done. But he's. Um, but I think I think the point that you're kind of making here, Mike, is that he is a different kind of investment because of the way he plays. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, he's, you know, he's not Mahomes. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not he's not a quarterback in the traditional sense. I mean, he's the way he runs this, the way he plays, and the way he runs this offense, and and what this offense means, and how it sets up everything else about this Eagles team, um, is a guy who he's at risk. I mean, he he really is at risk. And as a team, are, are you going to make the kind of long-term, multi-year, multi-million dollar investment in a quarterback that has to play the way this guy plays? You know, is that really a sound, quote-unquote, investment moving forward? Because to be Jalen Hurts and to be as effective as he is, he has to play the way he plays now. And can he sustain that? And how long can he sustain that? And then what does that mean in terms of his economic viability moving forward? These are all discussions, I assure you, these are all discussions that are happening within the building down there now because they know they have to sign him, and they know they have to reward him for what he's done. But it becomes a much trickier kind of investment when you see the way this guy plays. I mean, a guy that's going to be rushing for 700, 800, 900 yards a year and taking the kind of hits that he's been taking, you know, how much can you invest in him and how many years can you trust that investment? 
I don't know what choice they have. No, I don't. I don't know. I, they I, have a choice. I, mean, I don't gonna, know. They, I don't know. Yeah. They, no, do I don't it. know. I don't. They. They. Well, to be frank, they don't have a choice. Right. The question is. The question is. Okay, you're going to have to resign them, but how do you structure that investment, yeah. and how much are you prepared to pay? Because trying to negotiate a contract and project the future of Jalen Hurts is far different than trying to do that with Patrick Mahomes. Agreed. All right, couple quick questions. Because um, I know how you're going to feel about this. So uh, the Chiefs have the bye this week. The Bills play the Dolphins, who don't have Tua. Uh, Cincinnati certainly in the mix. But it looks like it could be, well, if it's Bills Chiefs or, or Bengals Chiefs, it's going to be in Atlanta in a dome. Uh, neutral site. And there is a movement now among some owners in the league to have the championship games, not just the Super Bowl, but the championship games be at neutral sites. If they consulted Pro Football Hall of Famer Ray Didinger on that, what would you say? Don't like it. I don't. I don't like it. I'm. I'm okay with. I'm okay with the Super Bowl. I'm okay with the Super Bowl being a an orchestrated, pecked ahead of time rotation kind of deal. Just because. I mean, it's 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 such a, it's, it's such an enormous event. I mean, it takes years to plan one to execute it. You can't. You can't figure out you're going to play the Super Bowl next week. Okay, let's start getting ready. You know, I mean, it's it's such it's such a mammoth event that you need years to prepare for it. So I understand why the Super Bowl has to be planned ahead of time. But the conference championship games, I think they should always have a home field advantage. I just I just think they should. Now this year you you have a very unusual circumstance that kind of dictated what we're facing here now. But going forward, no, I, I, I'm not in favor of that. And I know baseball has talked about, you know, and now that we've got World Series is playing into November uh, and there's always weather issues, would it be better to play the World Series in neutral sites where you're going to be guaranteed? No, I wouldn't want to do that. I, I think you have to maintain the atmosphere of, of the home fan and the home field advantage for as long as you possibly can. Super Bowl, I understand, is a, is a special case. But other than that, no, I'm not in favor of it. By the way, one of the things, I really like Wild Card Weekend because there's always unexpected things happening, and there probably will over the course of these next three days. But one of the reasons I think this is going to be really a lot of fun is you're, you're going to have seven quarterbacks making their first postseason start. Yeah. And I think that I think that I think I think that takes the un- unpredictability factor even higher. I mean, as unpredictable as this weekend typically is, the fact that you have so many quarterbacks that are going to be starting their first postseason game, that I th- I just think it's going to I just think that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm with you, Ray. I don't like the trend in sports toward everything being homogenous. You know, we've seen it in baseball, for instance, in the style of play that everybody swings for the fences and home, you know, tries to hit a home run, and everybody wants right. pitchers who throw 95 to 100 miles an hour. It's why I'm a proponent of the rules changes that are coming next year. And I would feel exactly the same way about the championship games. If, if they're played in snow and that favors one team over the other, well, that's the way it goes. Uh, those make for games with character and make for games that are memorable. Um, and if a dome team gets there, then a dome team gets there. But I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't think that's going to get a whole lot of traction. That idea, I, I just don't think. I just don't think anybody. I mean, you might have a few people that think it's a good idea, but I don't think it's going to be enough to carry the day. All right, Ray. Uh, I am looking forward to seeing you this coming Thursday. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to be at Conchock and Brewing Company, uh, Puddler's Kitchen. It happened, by the way. They finished work on the bridge, everybody. <laughs> so I know you guys who came last time, the traffic was just hideous, and it's been that way for a while. 
That's done. The traffic is cleared. I'm hosting a released party for Mike and Merrill Philly Special Hazy IPA at Public Staff and Kitchen by Kotschak and Brewing, 3 to Cap Street in Bridgeport. The pep band's going to play. Ray's going to sing with the pep band. I don't know about I that. I am? We'll see. I'm going to host a Quizzo-like uh, Eagles trivia contest. Mike said if somebody can grab you to be on their team, they're going to win, I suppose. <laughs> and uh, Ray is going to have copies of all of his books, certainly the Eagles Encyclopedia. And uh, I always appreciate, Ray, when you come out there and the people love to see you. Oh, listen, I always, I always enjoy going to the, uh, your place in Bridgeport. It's really, it's really, it's really a lot of fun. I'm, I'm glad to hear the bridge was fixed because that was not fun. No, that's but, not. Uh, no. I'm, 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 def- I'm definitely looking forward to ha- hanging out with Merle and Mike. On uh, we were, I, I was just with them for one of the. Uh, they're, they're not going to be there. Lunch. The beer's going to be there. They're yeah. not going to be there. <laughs> oh, they're not going to. But be the there. pep band so, well, will. The pep band Ray will. They'll sing to you. Well, no, no wait, 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 no, no, no. There was a promise made. There was an implicit promise made during this interview that Ray was going to sing with the pep band. And I have to be honest, I have always thought of Ray Dittinger as the Roy Orbison of the Philadelphia media, <laughs> sports media. So I think this has to happen, Ray. Mm. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> All right. No pressure. Uh, Ray, again, I look forward to seeing you then. And uh, I know people always love the opportunity to get your great books. And so we'll talk to you then. I look and forward to that, and I would, and for all your listeners, I would recommend highly uh, that they read Mike Sealski's column. Uh, it's, it's in the Saturday paper, and I guess it's probably going to be also in the Sunday paper, talking about the very thing we were talking about: is who does a Philly fan root for in a Dallas Buccaneers game? It's very well done, Mike. Oh, thanks, Ray. I appreciate that, Ray. Always <laughs> a pleasure, and I'm delighted that you're going to be with us through the playoffs, pal. Take care, guys. I'll right. talk to you thanks, soon. Thanks, Ray. Bye, bye. We will see you then. There you go. All right. Said so nice things about your column, which is terrific. Checks in the mail, Ray. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. 215-592-9494. We'd love to hear from you. We ought to talk more about that, Colin. Let's do that. Okay. Uh, coming up, the What We're Watching, I found a great documentary this week. I know you started on it. Mm-hmm. We'll talk a little bit about that and take your calls at 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, now on 94 WIP. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. That open is great. Uh, what we're watching is sponsored by Guided Door and Window. Take advantage of Guided Door and Windows' big winter sale through January. Receive 40% off all windows and doors. Call 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit com. So I, over the last week, watched a four-part documentary. My wife plays cards one night, so I basically sat down and watched one and okay. watched another. and watched Kept rolling. Kept rolling. Um, it is Madoff, Bernie Madoff, Monster of Wall Street on Netflix. Each one's about an hour. Um, and I know that you, and I'm, I'm going to get to you in a second because I know you started, and mm-hmm. I know it's going to be a tough sell to try to persuade people to watch a show about a very complex issue of financial fraud that it might sound a little dry. I mean, it might sound like doing homework. But it's not. It's a fascinating story that's going to pull you in. Anyway, you watched the first episode. So you go ahead, and then I'll tell you what I thought after watching four. So, yeah, I caught the first one because I was away in assignment for most of the week, so I didn't watch much of anything. Uh, but I enjoyed the content of the first episode You very live much. an actual life. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have things to do. As you've said, yeah. <laughs> um, I enjoyed the content of the first episode very much, and you can tell if you are paying attention to the interviews in the background, it's not dry at all. Now, I'm a sucker, as I've said before, for true crime, and that's what this is. Uh, The one disappointing part was the first episode gets into Madoff's younger years and background, and there's a lot of the reenactment where the actors are playing the moments that the documentary makers don't have film of. So you see the same shots over and over again of like yeah. a an actor playing a 35-year-old Bernie Madoff who gets up from the desk and walks over to the window and looks pensively out the window. And slowly turns around. Yeah, yeah. that's over and over and over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. But I'm intrigued enough from the content that I want to continue to see the next three episodes. What did you think? Well, before that, did I ever tell you that I got hired to be an actor in one of those dramatization, documentary dramatizations? CNN was doing, was going to do a thing on Lincoln, Mm -hmm. and I got hired to play Lincoln's son's lawyer. 
Wow. It was two episodes, and it was one of those things where, like, there's no speaking, mm-hmm. but you, like, have to walk around a lot and act, like, gesticulate and all that. That's cool. I have a cousin who does that, too. Yeah, and then came the pandemic, oh, and it never happened. There and went that. Said, it was a yeah. Nancy Glass production. It was going to, oh. yeah, I was all excited. It didn't happen. Anyway, so here's what I think. Um, I think it was great, and mm. if, you, if you don't know Bernie Madoff, he was the Wall Street trader who built a company that, it became so big that more than 10% of all trades on the New York Stock Exchange every day went through him. That's incredible. It is amazing. And he attracted these incredibly high-profile clients. He would travel the world, and you see that, to seduce the wealthy to invest the money. And you know some of these people. Sandy Koufax, my Mm -hmm. hero, was one of them. Ellie Wiesel, the Holocaust survivor, who I took a college class from. Fred Wilpon, who you kind of crossed paths, was in New York. Yeah, so my... First job at the Wall Street Journal as a sports writer was covering the Mets uh, and would interact with Fred Wilpon all the, all the time. And I actually came off of the Mets beat, stopped covering the Mets about a month before the story broke yes. that the Wilpons had invested so heavily with Bernie Timing. Madoff. Yep. So the problem was he was taking all of their money, and we're talking millions and billions of dollars, and not investing it at all. He had a Ponzi scheme. Yep. He would take money from Peter to pay Paul and not put a dime in the actual market. And this thing goes on for decades. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And he had this team of scamsters working for him that would create fake records and give clients bogus statements. And at one point, somebody's coming in. He's like, I demand to see my accounts. And they print this document off the printer, and it's so hot that they have to put it in the fridge <laughs> for half an hour to cool it down so it seems more realistic. The thing that will make you mad uh, watching this beyond Madoff's gall and mm-hmm. and lack of humanity, is that it went on in plain sight and he should have been caught more than a decade before this house of cards collapses. There's one guy who works for um, a financial investment company in Boston, and his bosses come to him and they say, this guy Madoff, like, we can't compete with him. We figure out what he's doing. This He's like a statistician math guy, mm-hmm. and so he tries to reverse engineer what Madoff's doing, and he's the first person who concludes this is not mathematically possible. This is a scam. Writes up a thing called 37 Red Flags, gives it to the Security Exchange Commission, and they do nothing about wow. it. And this thing goes on. The regulatory agencies ignore it because they're too dumb or sometimes they're all friends with Madoff, right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're supposed to be protecting him, but he's their guy. And the heartbreaking stuff is and you see this most in the fourth episode you see the investors these people who like their life savings only to learn poof yeah it's it's gone and believe it or not you end up seeing also the horrible fallout to his family who really had no idea this was gone his sons and his wife and you know at first you feel like they're complicit but they're not and you just end up having amazing sympathy for them look it, it ain't a marvel movie um, but the guy who directed it, you, you mentioned true, con- true Crime watching it. The guy who directed this specializes in that, did the conversations with the killer things with Ted Bundy mm-hmm. and John Wayne Gacy and Jeffrey Dahmer. So he knows how to do the crime. This is the biggest Ponzi scheme in history. I guarantee you will be enthralled if you watch it. You should watch the rest. Made off the Monster of Wall Street on Netflix, four-part documentary. Just an interesting thing here, Glenn, as you were talking, it occurred to me, you know, they're they're clearly drawing a connection by calling it the Monster of Wall Street to the Wolf of Wall Street, the Martin yeah. Scorsese yeah. movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. And the amazing part about that movie 
one of the amazing parts about it, I think it's one of Scorsese's best films ever. I mean, I would put it like a notch below Goodfellas, is that you never see in that movie the human cost that you just described Mm -hmm. when somebody who has, who accrues this much financial power and has so much control over somebody's futures, basically, uh, it turns out to be a fraud or a Ponzi scheme or, you know, just an evil person. But it sounds like in this documentary, that really brings it home. See these old ladies losing their houses. Yeah. I mean, they they literally interview, you know, this guy whose mom died because she lost her house and had nowhere to go and was pretty well to do. But it's really good. And uh, watch it. Okay. Let's talk to Eric in Maryland. You're on with Mike and Glenn. Hey, how you guys doing this morning? Hey, Eric. Hi, Eric. (laughs) Um, Glenn, I I love the graphics on your beers. I'm not a, a beer drinker, but when you post the pictures... I really do love the graphics. I appreciate that. IPAs. I will. I will um, tell. I will tell the people who do that for us that you complimented them. Thank you. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the the Madoff uh, movies or or uh, recant things that I love. I love the one that came out about this about ten years ago uh, with Black Danner. I love that one. Yes, yes, I know that one. And it was very good. You should watch this, Eric. It's really good. All right, I'll, I'll try to do that. Uh, what I want to talk about today is if the Eagles make it to the championship round and they do end up playing San Fran, do you feel like the Eagles have the personnel to match up with the current version of the 49ers, meaning Christian McCaffrey, Debo, Kittle? Because Kaiser White hasn't been really making any plays, playing too great. And I, I do fear, I have a greater fear about McCaffrey overall. Than anybody else. Yeah, I think you raise a great point, Eric. Uh, I think it would be a challenge uh, for the Eagles to to match that skill position talent that the 49ers have. And not only do the 49ers have that, they're just a tough team up and down that roster. Uh, and what's interesting about them, you know, we're, we've been talking a lot about Brock Purdy and how good is he really and how much do they rely on him. Well, the way Kyle Shanahan calls that offense and the creativity he uses, it's, it's almost like his quarterback is a point guard for the most part. Just, boom, get the ball out. You know, we're going to get it to McCaffrey. We're going to get it to Kittle. We're going to let them do those things. It's like, you know, Mo Cheeks giving the ball to Dr. J in the open court. Just let them do what they're going to do. And, you know, assuming the Eagles yeah. get to the championship game and Thank assuming you. the 49ers get there too, that's going to be a really tough challenge for the Eagles. I, there's no question about it. Yeah, uh, they they are, and we didn't barely talked about their defense. Which yeah, is, exactly. Which is really their strongest point. Yep. Aaron in Norristown, how you doing, Aaron? Good, gentlemen. How you guys doing today? Hi, right. Aaron. Hey, hey, I want to talk about uh, Jalen Hurts in the Seattle San Francisco game. First of all, Mike, I mean, I'm done too, but you, you covered the Eagles for a while, and you know, including last year going into the playoffs, have you ever heard them discuss at length and to the extent? of the injury of a quarterback like no. they are right now. Really you know odd. I mean? They they even concede, like, yes, he's really hurt. That's not something right. that they normally do. Which almost makes it look like a, a ruse, to be quite honest. Well, and I'm not saying I'm a conspiracy theorist, but yeah, yeah. I'm not only a quarterback, not any player have no. I ever seen any NFL team do this, and it's almost like they're doing it ad nauseum to, to make a point that, and I, and I know Sirianni likes to play games, and I, I'm – and I'm hoping that's what's happening. And B, I kind of think that's what's happening. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Aaron. Glenn and I talked about this a little bit last week, and we talked about it earlier in the show a tad. You know, my, okay, no, it's okay. My theory on this is that Jalen Hurts likes being discussed this way to a certain degree because he thinks of himself as a different kind of quarterback, a cut Superman. above his peers. He's a Superman. Right. He heals faster than anybody else. He can play through things that no one else can play through. And so, to a great extent, the Eagles, you know, 
when Sirianni talks about it or when Hurts himself talks about it, this is what they want to do. They want the perception out there that Hurts is hurt and yet is going to perform and excel through the injury. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that you gain anything from it. I don't know that you particularly lose anything from it. Opponents know his shoulder hurts. They know which shoulder hurts. They know that if they get the opportunity, they're going to try to really dump him on that shoulder and knock him out of the game. It is games. It's so much in every sport now. Upper body, lower body, all this stuff. You you can't hide this stuff. This was all uh, Ken Hitchcock, when he coached the Flyers, used to complain about this all the time. Why am I saying upper body injury? Everybody knows that everybody's hurting. He broke his hand. Yeah, at some level or another. You know, let's just be upfront about it. So, yeah. Same principle applies here. And it has moved much more into football. 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack. Now at noon, we'll talk to Jeff McClain of the Inquirer. He covers the Eagles and does a great job of it. Hey, when you bring up banking, most business people roll their eyes. I can tell you that Meridian Bank customers do not feel that way. Now, sure, Meridian business bankers do the loan thing, and they offer guidance on making your business more successful. But Meridian also puts on great customer events, both educational and social, and they're a super group of people to be around. If you want to put some fun in your business banking, get started at meridianbanker.com. Playoffs come through Philadelphia, but the WWE Golden Title that comes through me. Well, that was great to hear, man. Yeah. That, of course, is Lane Johnson, who did a little video yesterday or the day before, and he's obviously feeling better. He practiced with the team. He fully expects to play in the next game in two weeks. Dr. David Geld, our friend from Cooper Bone and Joint, joins us. To talk about it a little bit, Doc, I hope you're having a good weekend, a good uh, start to your new year. I sure. Yep. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. We're so, doing awesome, Doctor. So we've we've talked before about Lane and this injury and his plan to play through it, and he was at practice yesterday, and he, and he spoke to people, and he said that initial reports of his injury were incorrect. This is per Zach Berman, by the way. It was an adductor tear, ADD, not a core muscle injury. He said it's a fairly common injury. Uh, he spoke of uh, Cameron Jordan, who played through it in 2019, and he has no doubt about playing through it until he needs surgery. Sound good? Yeah, I mean, uh, as you know, he's he's a warrior, and he's going to try to play you know whenever he can. And you know, everybody on the offensive line is probably, is probably one of the toughest guys on the team. Yeah. So you know, the adductor muscles are the inside groin muscles, so it sort of does still correlate with some core injury. What that means is, you know, the core is your, your groin muscles, your abdominal muscles, and basically everything has to tighten everything together to, to move around back and forth and side to side. So every time he pushes off or goes to the side, he's going to feel that a little bit. <clears throat> Again, depending on how bad the tear is, you know, he tried to play through it, and hopefully he can uh, go through the next two two games and we'll be able to finish it up, and then he can take care of it after that. Is it is it simply a matter of pain threshold, <clears throat> doctor, how much he can endure? Um, I mean, it all, it all depends on how bad the injury is and how bad the tear was. I think we talked about it before. There's different variations of it. Um, but a lot of it's, you know, that pain be your guy type of thing. Um, if he has a lot of weakness and he can't push off and he can't move his legs side to side, then obviously that's a, a bit of a factor. But uh, if he's able to tolerate it, then you keep pushing forward with it. And I assume they're going to numb it beforehand. Does that make sense? Uh, I mean, they could give him, you know, uh, some lidocaine. Uh, a lot of times, obviously, give him some anti-inflammatories to try to help decrease inflammation and help decrease the pain. Um, you know, depending on how he's doing. But 
Uh, that's a possibility, sure. Okay, so let's let's turn to the quarterback, uh, to Jalen Hurts. Uh, my perception of the shoulder injury is that the bigger concern when it comes down to him playing is not necessarily how many passes he throws and how well he throws those passes, but does he run with the ball? Is he going to be able to sustain a hit? What happens if he goes down on the shoulder against the hard link turf? Am I wrong about that? Is there... You know, what's the bigger concern here with him? Yeah, I mean, where his injury is a little, little uh, more, less common than what we usually think of, like an AC joint issue from what I was reading. It's more what they call a sternoclavicular joint or an SC joint sprain, which is you go down right where your throat is, a little uh, notch right there. It's where the collarbone meets the breastbone. Um, and there's a couple little ligaments there that can get sprained. So when he came right down on it, <clears throat> he injured that area. And so I agree with you that. If he comes down on again, that's going to be more of a, the issue. Uh, he still does have some problems with, with throwing sometimes because when you pull back and you can come across your arm, your clavicle is moving back and forth, and that ligament stabilizes that a little bit. So depending on it can cause some pain or discomfort. But I think the biggest issue with him, especially the fact that he is a runner too, if he comes down right on that spot again and then flares up again and aggravates it, then, you know, then we're deciding what we have to do about it. All right. Doc, what's your plan for the weekend? A lot of football? A lot of football, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's nice not to really worry about it and just we can enjoy the games. I'm really looking forward to Jacksonville. I think uh, people around here especially, I think we're all Jacksonville fans too. So We do. Hopefully we, we'll, we are. Who do you like going. in Dallas, Tampa Bay? <clears throat> I I mean, it's a, I think you guys were talking about it before on who who we like to see. I, I I just don't like Dallas at all. I think even <laughs> if we play them, they, I would – I would get scared more than Tampa Bay, so I think hopefully Tampa Bay wins and puts them out of their misery. There you go. Very honest opinion. Dr. David Gelt, Cooper Bonin, joining us. Always our pleasure to talk to you, man. All right. Enjoy the weekend, guys. There you go. Thanks, Doc. There are a lot of people say, all right, give me Dallas, give me Dallas, and I get it, and there's reasons to want it. Listen, Dak Prescott has led the league in interceptions, and he's thrown a lot of pick sixes, a lot of Mm -hmm. dumb plays. Won the Josh Sweat in that game. Yes. Oh, God, that was great. Yeah. He could continue to do that. Um, Their secondary is really banged up. Mm -hmm. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, they're against that secondary. I kind of like that. Uh, and their offensive line, once great, not good. Eagles had 70 sacks. They'll get to Prescott. So, yeah, I think so. On the other hand, I think Tampa Bay is just a bad team. Yeah. Brady scares us because he's Brady. Yeah, but if he if his name weren't Tom Brady, right? if he if he were just the quarterback of a team that went 8-9 and nine to win the worst division in the NFL, yeah. you wouldn't worry about it. Have the Eagles ever beaten Brady in a big game before? Not that I can mm, remember, Glenn. I, you know, I really have to think back on that. There you go. Okay, well, see, I'm, I, I think I, I'm happy. My order would be, mm-hmm. forget Seattle, they're not going to win. My order preference of teams I want to see next week, number one, Giants, number mm-hmm. two, Tampa, number three, Dallas. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the only reason to want Dallas first is if, you just want the satisfaction of the Eagles beating Dallas. Yeah, it's a good storyline. Right. Uh, but I think of those three teams, Dallas would present the stiffest challenge. Well, let's see. Andy in Huntington Valley has got a preference on this. What are you thinking, Andy? I uh, I really prefer the Giants first off as first choice. Tampa, Tampa concerns because of the Eagles' history with Tampa. Um, if you remember, um, the final game of the vet, they lost to Tampa. Yep. The yep. first game at the link. They lost to Tampa. Um, I, you know, it's like one of those, like, I'm not afraid, but it's like that historical significance thing. Um, 
So I, I think I'd rather see Dallas instead of uh, of Tampa, to be honest with you. That, that's interesting, Andy. See, I, I look at it a little differently. I think, you know, Tampa doesn't run the ball, for instance, at all, which has been a an issue for the Eagles at times this year, certainly in the first possessions uh, for their defense. Uh, Brady doesn't throw the ball down the field anymore. He gets the ball out quickly, but, you know, you look at his yards per attempt, they're, I think, the third worst in the NFL. Uh, I just don't think, as Glenn just said, I don't think Tampa's very good uh, in any regard. And, you know, being Tom Brady yeah. at 45 only gets you so far. And the thing with Brady is, and I and somebody recited stats yesterday, and I wish I'd written them down because they were amazing. When he has time to throw... He's Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. When he doesn't, he's a mess. I mean, the numbers are awful, and he does their offensive line. I think they're getting the center back who's yeah. been hurt, but their offensive line has been a mess. And as I said, the Eagles' defensive line has 70 sacks. They're going to beat yeah. up. It's going to be the Brandon Graham strip sack festival. <laughs> Listen, I would, I would love to look. You look at historical significance, you'll say, you know, with, with certain teams, and you, there are different players at different times. It's just I was thinking about it, you know, when the matchups were coming out, and I'm thinking, like, I was there in the last game of the that, and I was there at the first game of the link, and mm. like, that was not fun. Um, no, I feel you there. The, yeah, it's the, it's the funny. Madoff series. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No, go no, ahead. You, go. No, I, I I caught the the Madoff thing, and the interesting thing about it was that you know, in 2008, when everything crashed, the banks got bailed out. The executives got their bonuses, but the poor people who got taken in by Madoff got squat, yes. other than what was recovered by point. the government. Yeah. And there's there's something wrong with our you know with our government and uh, you know the people who who are running that show with the uh, SEC and you know turning a, a blind eye and a deaf ear. It, it really is amazing. Um, it really How was. It really did. was something. I'm glad you saw, and I appreciate your review on that. And it really was something. And in fact, it was so. It was so. As he said, the banks got bailed out, and this all happened when the crash was yep. in 28. That's how his thing failed. It's like people wanted their money, had no money. That's how he got discovered. But the there was a guy hired whose job it was to recover as much money as he could from Madoff to mm-hmm. pay the victims. The problem was some of the money he took were from people. Who had received their money back from Madoff? So you, you know, you have your retirement home, and you're taking care of your wife, and this is it. This is what you're living right. on, and you were smart enough to get out of the market a little bit before and get money again. It's mm-hmm. all Ponzi scheme, but you got some of the money. This guy, the government would come to you and say, like, well, listen, you got eighty percent of your money back. We're taking half of that to oh. give it to other people who got nothing. Wow. So people are like, thank God I got out of there. They got pulled back in. It's 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 an amazing series, and as as the caller said, it does not reflect well on our government and how it regulates. Now, if we wanted to take the show in this direction, and I know we don't, we could spend hours discussing the socio-political ramifications of the crash and what people like Madoff did and how it changed the way a lot of people looked at the U.S. government and the system and all yeah. that kind of stuff. No, it's terrible. It's terrible, but it's really compelling television, and you should watch it. All right. Uh, Madoff, the monster of Wall Street on Netflix. Hey, if the cold weather has you thinking it's finally time to replace those old drafting windows and doors, there is no better time to make your home more energy efficient while taking advantage of Guida's big winter sale. Now, the good people at Guida, they're extending their big winter sale through January by offering 40% off every window and door you buy. 
you receive 40% off each expertly installed energy-efficient replacement window, which also includes free high-performance low-E glass. And if you're in need of a new door, you receive 40% off any door, including insulated entry doors, patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Take advantage of Guida's interest-free financing or low monthly payment plans to get your project started with no money out of pocket. Offers for a limited time only, so you must act quickly. If your home needs new windows or doors, call the experts at Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.